headed back in. Turned in! A second of the game for Van Veen, and he is loving it! Cornelius on the edge of the ball! Oh, How special is that for his first Motherwell goal? Slatnik and he shot away! It's a fantastic strike! And it's thundered in by Liam Grimshaw! What a moment for him! The fans' favourite! Hello and welcome to the MFC Podcast. Slightly quieter episode tonight after a hectic one last week, but we've still got plenty to talk about. Mother win 3 2 at Pataudry. Stuart McKinstry arrives back at Fur Park. We've been linked with some interesting names as well. I'm joined tonight by Jaffa, and we're going to go over all those talking points and maybe a wee bit more over the next three quarters of an hour or so. Mate, how are you getting on? I'm doing well, mate. Doing well. Good to hear it. We'll start with the victory against Aberdeen on Saturday there. Excellent performance one. I'm struggling to think of better than since. Well, I, I don't know, actually. Like, it would definitely be one of the it's COVID the games. Or... Yeah, maybe, maybe the, or perhaps a 3-0 at, at Pataudry is, is the closest that we've come to matching that when we kind of blew them away in the first half. But even then, this was a, a really complete performance against what I think is shaping up to be quite a decent Aberdeen side. Even more impressive that after going ahead... Well, this is an impressive thing, I suppose, that we fell 2-1 behind. But the character the team showed, they continued to stick with it. Quite quickly, turned it around to 3-2. And after that, going to create a lot of chances as well. Jeff, it was a really complete performance. And Stevie Hamill, rightfully afterwards, delighted with it. Oh, absolutely. And every right to, to be delighted with it. Um, it's one of these things that I'm never, ever confident in getting into Motherwell games, but... But obviously, given our record against Aberdeen, I was sort of quietly confident going into it. Um, when we went 1-0 up, I thought, oh, you're right, you're dancer, here we go. Um, but as you say, kind of losing a goal just before half-time and losing a goal just after half-time, I kind of thought, oh, no, don't tell me this is this is where it all starts to go wrong. Um, but obviously, kind of that didn't happen. We, we fought back and got ourselves back in front. Um and didn't resort to to Alexander Paul of kind of bringing on every defender that you've got on the bench to the, to defend the three two one. We actually he actually sort of made a couple of um, attacking uh, substitutions to to go to kill off the game. Uh, and as you said, we, we created quite a lot of chances after we were three two up. So um, it's you just come away absolutely delighted and sort of. I know speaking to a couple of people, the change in atmosphere. Of just the support is amazing, but certainly the kind of when you're you're reading sort of wee comments coming out of the dressing rooms and stuff like that, and I mean, kind of they're not being very guarded about it. It's like the uh, every every comment you read is something about the change in attitude within the dressing room and how how it's a much better atmosphere stuff like that. So, um, I on to bigger and better things now. Hopefully, yeah, that's it. And there's quite a few notable players that have drastically improved over the last couple of weeks as well. Getting a wee bit of a, a new lease of life, if you will. 
the one that, that really stands out for me is, is Sean Goss. Pepe mentioned him in last week's podcast, but another excellent performance in the middle of the park. Dean Cornelius, excellent as well. Callum Slattery, looking a lot more confident in addition as well. Yeah, and you, you think about Slattery last year and the fact that he was in and out of the team and never really got that consistent run of games that he required to push on because you've got to keep in mind that he came through the, the system at Southampton. He hadn't much experience of, of first-team football. That's why he made his move to Motherwell. Under Graham Alexander, I don't think he really got that that consistent run. So we didn't really know what we had with Callum Slattery. But again, a, a really encouraging performance there. I've mentioned Cornelius. I, I thought he was absolutely excellent. I watched the game back on Sunday uh, in its entirety just because... I've got that wee buzz that I didn't have for quite some time. I would actually have to go back to when the likes of Sherwin Seedorf and Jermaine Hilton came in at the start of the 2019-20 season. That I've actually felt this way about Motherwell. I feel quite excited about the direction the team's going in. I'm really excited about the additions that Stevie Hamill's making to the squad. This is quite a, an upbeat time and a time that we're... Uh, we're almost in uncharted waters because it's been so long since I've had that wee bit of buzz about it. <clears throat> so you're absolutely right. Again, Andy, it's um, I, I think when you when you point out that sort of Sean Goss and Callum Slattery and Dean Cornelius all look it looked as if they'd a new lease of life. It's <laughs> it isn't it sort of hard to see why because Stevie Hamill's Stevie Hamill's sort of tactics seems to be play the ball to feet, play a lot of passes um, and sort of get the midfield involved. Whereas obviously sort of Alexander's tactics were very much launch the ball into the corners and everybody run up and press. Um, so I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's by accident that these guys, these guys have started to look, look like football players um, because they've been asked to play football. Um, obviously in, in touches, uh, we'd seen that Slattery was a decent ball player. He was he was quite neat and tidy on the ball, same with Goss. But sort of for large parts of the game, they were just sort of running, running up and down, watching the ball sort of get over their head. Um, so I think kind of credit to them for for sort of sticking with it, but credit to Hamill for sort of to changing the tactics to to get them involved. Um, and as you said, it kind of it was just a total team performance from back to front. Kind of looking competent. Um, obviously, there were, there's there, there's some sort of things that you can flag up about the goals we lost. But kind of the first one is is a terrific ball and a great header. It's kind of it's he it shouldn't have got away from it shouldn't have got away from the the first defender and the second defender should maybe have kind of closed in on him. But it's at the end of the day, it's kind of it would be nitpicking for that. Um, but I, it's just absolutely delighted, and as you say, kind of, it's just a complete turnaround. It's, it's, I'm the same. It's, I, I haven't felt this, I haven't felt the, this, this feeling about Motherwell since pre, pre Alexander. Um, it was obviously kind of getting into this season. I was thinking, I don't know, kind of how many games I'm going to go to, sort of other than the home games, um, and sort of then after Saturday, I was like, all right. Uh, I'll need to sort out tickets to go down to Kilmarnock uh, <laughs> after the Levy game, so it's like it's that that excitement's back, um, and all it took was was to kind of change the manager and change the style of play. So 
Um, aye, long mate, continue mate. Yeah, it's, it's really strange times, and, and sorry, I didn't realise how sore my throat was tonight, uh, so if you stop hearing me, then uh, just give me a nudge, please. But the, uh, I'll miss Saturday as well, I'm doing Morton against Dundee, so that's now the first four games of the season that I've missed, and I honestly don't know if there's been a year in my mother's supporting life that I've missed the first four games of the, the league season, so, and I'm already got a shift for the following week as well, so I'll miss the first five at the very least. Uh, and to be honest, if we keep on getting results, I might just not go back. Aye, aye, it might have been your fault. You might be the Jonah. <laughs> aye, it was, it was nothing to do with the, with the style of football or uh, the players that Graham Alexander was signing. It was just aye, me all, going. All your was fault. A all your fault. Yeah. <laughs> the, we talked about positivity and improved performances. Kevin Van Veen's a bit of an interesting one for me because, to be perfectly honest, I don't think that he's hit the levels that he's capable of. But he's already now scored two goals and three in the league, keeping up that ridiculous record he's got against Aberdeen as well. Another confidence booster, and hopefully, if he continues this run of games, he's going to find his level of fitness as well. I think he, he went into the two Sligo games nowhere near fully fit. Because of our lack of attacking options, he's played against St Martin, St Johnston and uh, Aberdeen as well. Do you think that the two goals are a demonstration of his kind of prowess in front of goal? That record stands in good stead to go on and hit double figures again this season. Definitely. It, it, to be honest, it's like you were never ever kind of... I was never ever worried about, about kind of about a lack of goals for Van Veen. He showed last season that he's he's prolific in front of goals given the chance. But as you said, kinda he was went into the Sligo games and he was he was completely undercooked. Obviously we only had the two two preseason games and he missed one of them through injury. Um and sort of didn't really have a have a have many training sessions before the first Sligo game. So I mean it's I was saying after 17 minutes he isn't fit. You need to take him off the park in the first Ligo game. Um, and that, that isn't because he's ability or because he's lazy or anything. It was just, he clearly wasn't fit. And it's I've heard, I've sort of seen him sort of in the press saying, it's kind of, it's I know that I wasn't, that I, I'm not fit enough and it's I'm, I'm, I'm gradually getting there and getting there. So it's hopefully sort of, it, it's just game time that he needed. Um, and, and obviously it was a, He's two goals, you can say, aye, that's brilliant, it's great, he scored two goals already, but kind of one of them's a penalty, and one of, one of them's basically, he's just let the head, he's just let the ball bounce off, and off his head, and an empty net, which is, which is brilliant, you've got to be in those positions to take the chances, but um, I've got, I've got no no doubt, um, once he gets a, gets a, a good bit of fitness under his belt, that, that he'll be, he'll definitely score double figures for us this season, if he avoids uh, if he avoids further injury and stupid suspensions, um, I think he will be he will be challenging for for kind of like right up there in the scoring charts this season. So we're three games into the season. We're quite analytical in a sense, but we're not we're not XG and, and such like. But in terms of myself and Pepe, we quite often break down a calendar month and go right. Okay, that game that should be a point. That should be three points. We'll possibly lose that game. From the first three, 
get St Martin away, St Johnston at home, and Aberdeen away. I would have said the maximum points we'd have got from that is five, and I think that would have been a really optimistic take given the events just a couple of days before the season kicked off. To win our two away games is absolutely fantastic. Of course, we did have that setback against St Johnston at Fur Park, but even then, we've only lost that game due to a 94th minute winner. So I think we should be really encouraged by our points tally at this point. We've already got six more than, than Ross County at the foot of the table. If you even look at it, you've got five more than Hibs. You've got three more than Aberdeen. It's now down to Stevie Hamilton to get the team to build upon that, isn't it? And if you can get these points on the board early doors, you can start to look up the table. You can start to kind of push on and forget about the threat of relegation, which, let's be honest, any season we go into, there's always that threat and that possibility that we could be involved in a relegation scrap. What we've done here is we've given ourselves some fantastic foundations to build upon. I it's um I, I was I was the same as you kind of like you looked at those three games and uh, to be honest I, I I was looking at six points but the six points I was looking for was because St Martin and St Johnson were terrible last season and sort of weren't they great in the in the League Cup but sort of then after the Sligo game it was like we've now got six points more than I thought we would have at this point um so can I it's it's you, you can amass points when you can get them because you know that you know that because we are an inconsistent team, we've got to accept that we've got instant inconsistent players, otherwise they wouldn't be with us. Um so can I, I you've got to stack up the points where you can and that's that's about absolutely amazing. Um and sort of you now look at the next two games, which I mean, obviously can I, <laughs> they're winnable or losable, but you go into them with a wee bit of confidence now uh, and think uh, I, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to them rather than sort of dreading them and, and just crossing your fingers getting into them. It's I think Stevie Hamill has really identified kind of the areas where we're lacking in and hopefully sort of addressing that. Um, and kind of we'll just we'll just keep getting better. How big a week has this been for Stevie Hamill? It really could have went the the opposite way. You go to Petardry in the back of losing to St Johnston. And see if we get turned over two or three nothing, and and didn't put in a, a performance anywhere near the levels that we did show. Then you've got a bit of a, a hard sell to to potential new players as well. The fact that he's brought in a academy graduate that's went on to play as a substitute down south in the Premier League for Leeds United, he's coming back up the road to a, a club that he loves. It just all feels like it's been a real wave of positivity. It could have been completely the opposite way, though, couldn't it? If, if he gets off to a bad start, then suddenly you're getting the, the murmurings about the fact that he's not got the experience of, of being a manager and such like. How big do you think that it has been that he got that first result and then was able to kind of carry it into to making a couple of signings as well? I, th- I think it's been massive, Andy, because it's like, obviously, um, I don't I don't think anybody would disagree with me that... that we did play well. We played much better against St Mirren than we played against Sligo, but we probably we were probably very lucky to come away with three points. And then obviously the disappointment of the St Johnson game, um, where we didn't really play that well at all, and we only got a very late equaliser through an own goal, and then kind of threw it away with a with a a ninety fourth minute 
uh, losing goal. Um, had we gone up to had we gone up to Aberdeen and and lost and not put in a performance, it would have been terrible. But the fact is that kind of we went up there. Not only did we take the three points, but we put in the best performance of the season. Um, as you say, that was a complete performance. That kind of uh, it just all kind of gelled. It all seemed seemed to work. It seemed as if kind of they've now all bought into the way that that kind of Hamill wants to play, and we seem to have the players to kind of do that. Um, a couple of more additions to come in, hopefully before the before the window shuts. Um, that will that will kind of give us cover, like certainly in the left back area. Um, maybe another maybe another defender that we need to get in cover, and we definitely need somebody sort of for a in a more forward role. Um, but I think all of those will come because of the because of the the positive style that we play. That people will people will see will be able to look at that and see that what Stevie Hamill is going to try to do and kind of players will buy into that and want to come rather than sort of coming to somewhere where you're winning but it's no pretty and you're not really involved like it would have been under Alexander but um, I think it was it was massive kind of and it's I think Stevie Hamill even said that after the game that kind of the win was great but it was a performance that that was the that he was really chuffed about so um it wasn't hard to it wasn't hard to see the change, but aye, brilliant, mate, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's uh, I think it's so significant the performance because we're the best player in the world. And Stevie Hamill, having read his, his program notes for for Saturday, there's actually kind of a couple of bits with Stevie Hamill on the, the program this week, and he talks about the fact that he's not going to try and sell us the dream of winning every week, but what he wants is a a team that's committed on the park and a team that provides a, a level of entertainment as well. And I think that's, that's so important. The, uh, there was another podcast I did at the start of the week and the, the question was asked to me, how much of a model manager is getting results? And I think that the line of questioning was, is there not a, are you realistic enough to accept that you're not going to win every week? And of course we are. I think the vast majority of us don't, put too much of a value in results if that makes any sense I think that we're we're level-headed enough to realise that we are going to lose more often than we win but turning up and losing there's a way to lose football matches that was Stephen Robinson's go-to line but there is there's a way to lose football matches and the way that we were losing under Graham Alexander just gave you no hope that things were going to turn around I think even in the three games that Steve Hamill's been in charge I can see a clear direction of how he, he's going to set out his team and his kind of philosophy behind it. I think also the, the difference maker for me has been the the fact that he is so in, engaging. I think he, he understands every department of the football club. And that's so important as well. We've got that buy-in, which is really, really significant. I don't think we got that from Graham Alexander. I don't think Graham Alexander, I'm not going to say disrespected the, the ethos and the the kind of community element of the football club. But I don't think he was ever I don't think he was ever that forthcoming. For talking sake, even when things did resume last year, I would have really hoped that there'd been some sort of meet the manager type arrangement where we at least got to to kind of get a wee bit of an insight as to his personality and such like. Instead what we had to go on was the the weekly press conferences, which are quite mundane and full of football cliches and in Graham Alexander's case, just 
little fibs about who's injured and who's not injured ahead of the Saturday. But <laughs> I, I think I, I think Stevie Howell's got that automatic support just due to the fact that we do know him well. We do know we know we know the cut is Jeff already, but he's I think he's really really endeared himself with the way that he's spoken and the the kind of forward thinking way that he speaks as well. That it doesn't seem like he's come in with no game plan. He's, he seems to know what, where he aims to be in two months' time, three months' time, and then come the January window and such, so on and so forth. I think that's a lot more reassuring as well. I, I think any doubts that I had over the appointment this time last week have been completely evaporated over the last couple of days because I, I just think that every time I hear him speak, I'm more and more sold on the project that Stephen Hamill's taken over. And I was I was quite intrigued to listen to the likes of uh, Off the Ball on Saturday there and uh I caught up after God did mentioned the, the Terrace podcast where they, they talked about the fact that they were almost talking in a way that as if he was an interim manager and uh just carrying us on to the end of the season. You don't give someone a job two games into the season if they're going to be an interim. I think that there's a two-year contract on the table and I, I really think that Stevie Hamill already has a vision for how these two years are going to go. And it's the first time in a couple of years as well as being quite excited about the football that I feel that there's a bit of a, a set plan there. I, I don't know if Graham Alexander ever really kind of had a vision as to where he would be the following month or, the, or two months' time. Whereas it seems kind of all mapped out, and now it's just down to getting the recruitment right. I, I kind of on the Alexander thing. It's uh, I, I sort of I'm of old, always of the opinion that Alexander um, didn't really put a lot of planning into it because he thought he was great and some big club was going to come in for him, so he didn't need a long term plan at Motherwell because he saw his future elsewhere. Um, although he would kind of talk, as you say, talking cliches and, and talk about sort of the, the long-term project, he didn't actually sort of have one. Whereas, as you say, sort of Stevie Hamill, the way that he's talking, it's, and obviously where he's came from with the academy, and it's, he knows what he's got there. And it's, um, I've, I've spoke to, I've spoke to kind of guys who, who sort of work in the, the sort of pro-youth level sort of thing. And, and kind of, they're all sort of, They've all been sort of fairly bullish about about the boy Lennon Miller. Um, kind of saying that he'll he'll definitely sort of feature um in the first team probably this season. Um and obviously kind of we've we've had the, a couple of boys on the bench and sort of getting getting experience um from the youths. And it's it's I think that's that's obviously a thing that, that kind of that mother will survive on is sort of bringing players through um and obviously in recent years it's we haven't even sort of brought them through to the first team. We've brought them through and got development fees from them from people sort of getting in and taking them from the youth academy. Um but it would be great to sort of see see three or four sort of young guys coming through, uh, like Hamill, Hamill and kind of Lasley McFadden all did. Um and it's it's I think the fact that he's gone through that and he's got that plan because he's got the, the relationship with those boys there. It's that that really excites me, but just kind of I can't I can't state sort of how how highly uh, I'm now rating Stevie Hamill because I went from the point of 
I, I didn't. I never ever seen him as an interim manager, but I, I was always sort of, I was always kind of questioning whether it was actually something that he ever had planned, or whether it would just uh, it was an opportunity that came at a, a point, and it's like he felt he couldn't say no. But certainly the way that he's the way that he's kind of handled himself uh, over the first three games that he's been in charge, he certainly does seem as if kind of management has always been a long term goal he has. And it's he already had plans in place. Whenever he was going to take it over, they kind of knew exactly what he was going to do and how he was going to implement things, which kind of has got me really sort of energised for him and and really really excited for for what's to come from him. Because um, as you say, kind of he's he's already got plans laid out for how this season, how he sees this season going, um, and hopefully, kind of hopefully the players can can sort of live up to that for him. Yeah, that's it. And I suppose the other element is that Stephen Hill was well respected in his academy, head of academy role. He could have quite easily continued in that role and won himself a move elsewhere due to the great work that he was doing there. Instead, he has pushed his limits and, and taken on that role. So I think a lot, of, a lot of credit has to go to him for his ambition as well, that he has the drive to, to succeed as a manager. That's... Uh, that's evident by the fact that he put himself forward and applied for it. Definitely, because the thing is, it's obviously kind of... I mean, I'm already resigned to sort of losing them from the from the Motherwell family, sort of, like, within 18 months, because that's that's the that's the sort of the life of a football manager. You're either really successful and you'll get a move... Somebody, somebody big will come in and offer you a thing that you can't, you can't turn down, or things will go really badly, and he'll be sacked. Um, so it's like you know that kind of, you know that sort of that's an eighteen month cycle. Um, whereas as you said, kind of, he could have stayed in the youth, the youth development, and basically sort of had a job. Sort of, if he had sort of planned out, he could have been there for probably as long as he wanted because it's, I. I I couldn't see anybody coming in as a manager and saying, "Well, I want my my own youth kind of person." I don't think sort of mother would would have put up with that. So, um, I, I think you're absolutely right that it is kind of it's testament to to kind of to his ambition that he kind of he said, "Yeah, no, this is the right time for me to to actually sort of step up and and sort of go through the interview process and uh, and then eventually sort of get get handed the reins." So, aye, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Let's continue the positivity and talk about the new arrivals at Fur Park over the course of the week. Firstly, the trialless goalkeeper, uh, Oxbridge, has come in. I can't remember his first name, which is absolutely terrible. Is it Adam? Aston. 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 It is Oxbridge, though, isn't it? Yes. Oxbridge. Well, Andy Roxburgh, the goalkeeper, <laughs> uh, he'd been on trial quite some time at the club. I believe that Graham Alexander had actually already signed him. Uh, so it was a Graham Alexander signing rather than a signing made by Stevie Hamill. It makes perfect sense, though, doesn't it, Jaffa? Scott Fox has went in an interim role as the head of... Uh, sorry, the head of... The head of goalkeeping, the goalkeeping coach <laughs> at the club. Um, after the departure of Andy Dibble, who lasted about two months in the role, Uh I would imagine that Fox would have aspirations to remain in that role, to be honest with you. I see that he does quite a lot of work with the 
the community trust and some of the academy uh, teams as well. So maybe that's somewhere where he's got aspirations to to move into. We've got this goalkeeper. Well, I think it, did, did he not sort of set anything up with Trevor Carson? But did yeah, they not set I, I up for a goalkeeping academy sort of thing? Um, yeah. So I never really saw that kind of continue though. Right, but it was obviously something that he'd that he'd thought about. Um, but I think I think kind of he's took took over the coaching because I think he's injured. Yeah, he is, he is currently injured. Yeah, um, so so it makes perfect sense. We we needed cover in that that area. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it, I think um, Oxborough has been he's been around the club. I don't know whether he was in Austria, but he was certainly he certainly got brought on. Um, as a trialist against Partick, um, and then I, I, I think kind of, I think he, he sort of he only officially signed, um, but I mean he's been about the club since since pre season, um, so aye, good for him. Yeah, I he believe looked- the plan was to to loan out uh, Matty Connolly at some point down the line as well. Aye. I don't know whether you can maybe. Fox is obviously registered as a player as it stands. I don't think it would be a, a disaster if you had him as a as a kind of third choice goalkeeper. Scott no. Fox with Oxbridge the, the second one, and then Matty Conley. Hopefully, I think he's been out of Gretna previously. But if you got another chance to to get him out there and get him some game time, because it it must be a bit demoralising. Really, you've got one of the best goalkeepers in Scotland as the number one. You're seeing that there's another goalkeeper coming in. It clearly is with a view to get apparently more experience. He signed a new contract in the, the summer. So, yeah, fingers crossed that it's it's a good chance for him to develop. But in, in terms of having an understudy to Liam Kelly, who is pretty much immovable in my my own opinion, to be honest with you, I don't think that there's any, any way that Oxford is going to take over from Liam Kelly while Liam Kelly is oh, still no. at the football club. No, definitely not. Um, it is interesting though that he kind of he, he's almost the exact opposite of Liam Kelly because um, he's like a kind of six foot five monster. Uh, he's a big old unit, um, whereas sort of Liam Kelly isn't he? <laughs> um, so it's good to, that that sort of gives you options as well. But kind of, um, I I it's I'm quite happy that quite happy he's came in, but kind of I don't see him. I don't see him being there to kind of challenge Kelly. It's I think he's there just in case anything happens to Kelly. Um, but apparently he was sort of well thought of as a youngster as well. So, um, hi, it's uh, hopefully kind of hopefully he's he doesn't need to be called upon um, because Liam Kelly's playing so well. But it's good to have him in. Yeah, that, that's it. You kind of think back to a couple of years ago with Trevor Carson. Coming back from injury and kind of returning and looking in good form before he starts getting his injuries, and suddenly you are in the situation where you've not got an able deputy and you're having to to scramble about. And we had the likes of Jordan Archer and Aaron Chapman uh, before <sighs> Liam Kelly came in. So yeah, I would, I'd say that we're in a a better position there because we, we've addressed the, the issues should it arise, uh, but. Touchwood, Liam Kelly avoids any sort of injury. Obviously, 
the Scotland internationals coming up at the end of September as well, which I would imagine that he'll be well in the reckoning for the squad and maybe even push for some game time this time. I would like to Let's think so. Another... Sorry, when you go. No, I would just say, no, I would like to thank you. He's he's uh, he's considered for for game time. Yeah, I watched the Hearts game earlier on, and Craig Gordon still absolutely fantastic. It must be said, he, he made two or three world class saves. But um, you you get to a point where Craig Gordon's forty years of age. You're going to need to give someone a chance to to experience it. It would be a bit unfair to. Eventually, have to throw Liam Kelly in right at the deep end. I would like to see some of these Nations League games used to give him an opportunity. It's not as if you're replacing Craig Gordon with an inferior goalkeeper. I believe that Liam Kelly on his days every bit as good as Craig Gordon, and that's a real compliment to Liam Kelly. I I definitely, um, especially playing with a, a kind of probably a slightly better kind of uh, back four than than he does with Motherwell. Yeah, just a bit. In terms of the other arrival, Stuart McKinstry, I touched on it earlier on, has arrived from Leeds United in a season-long loan. This is a big one. The uh, the reviews that Stuart's been getting during his time at Leeds, mainly playing with their under-23 side, but he's featured on the subs bench a couple of times for Leeds, and he also came on in a Carabao Cup game against Fulham. It's really rave reviews. Leeds already looking to tie him up to a longer term contract, but again, it's a it's a player that needs first team football and needs experience of playing with men and the physicality that comes with that. He's returned back to Fur Park, player that we didn't get to see pull on a Claret Amber jersey when he was coming through the ranks and when there was a wee bit of buzz behind him. He seems absolutely thrilled to be back. He's got a fantastic family that will really be over the moon to see him eventually strut his stuff at Fur Park. Stevie Hamill's talked up his credentials. And this is, for me, just a... I'm absolutely thrilled to bits about this because we have become a bit predictable when it comes to plucking players from the fourth and fifth and sixth tier of English football. Guys that come up for a year quite often look like they couldn't be asked <laughs> being here and it just kind of at least to nothing, really. Instead, what we've got here is a guy desperate to prove himself, someone that's got the club right at his heart. I, I think this is a, just a fantastic signing. I'm really, really pleased that we've got him here. There was obviously an approach from Hartlepool where Peter Hartley and Peter Hartley, Paul Hartley and uh, Gordon Young both are, so he had ties there. But he's, he's opted to come to Motherwell and really... If he's playing as a wide man, he's going to get his opportunity because we've not got a great deal of options there. So this is a real opportunity for Stuart to make his mark. I, I, I'm absolutely delighted to see him back, and kind of, I'm sort of hoping that it was it was the Hamill, it was the Hamill factor that kind of that brought him that brought him back. And obviously, as you said, his family are all are all massive Motherwell fans as well. It's it's uh, it's I've I, I've played a couple of times with his dad. Uh, back in the day, who was a decent player as well, um, so I'm really, really excited because obviously, as you say, kind of you, you've you get sort of journeyman in from from sort of fourth and fifth tier English football, and it's like you, you don't know whether whether their heart's really in it. Whereas this is a boy who's coming up, who's been told 
basically go and make your mark in the men's game. So he's got to go and sort of prove himself to his club. But he's coming to a club that he loves, grew up supporting, that his family are season ticket holders at. So kind of like they're all willing him on. So it's it's that sort of double-edged thing of kind of he needs to prove himself uh, to his own club and he'll want to prove himself to to the Motherwell fans that sort of that he's friendly with and kind of grew up with, and it's uh, as I'm I'm really excited about it, um, um, because as you say, he's getting absolutely rave reviews from the from the under twenty three games. Kind of Leeds Leeds fans weren't they all kind of particularly pre- pleased that he sort of that he's been left to leave, kind of because I think they all thought that he was going to make it into the first team this season, so. Uh, I mean that that all kind of sounds amazing, um, and just hopefully, kind of hopefully, um, the hype is the hype isn't just that. It's like hopefully he can he can absolutely prove himself. But as you say, he he, he has a massive reputation, and Stevie Hamill knows him well. So um, I really looking forward to seeing him. So with the excitement of all that's been in the last week, we now face a home game against Livingston, a side that haven't won at Fur Park since 2002. Jaffa, you'll maybe remember that game, a 5-1 defeat at Fur Park. It's actually Livingston's only win over Motherwell at Fur Park over all these years. Yeah. So it's quite a record we've got against them, which hopefully I've not just crawled by bringing it up. But David Martindale's team have made a an excellent start to the season. They pushed Rangers really close in the opening day. They then went to Tannadice and won and started Dundee United's massive dip. And then last weekend, defeated Hibs. They look pretty impressive, it must be said. And they'll be coming to Fur Park full of optimism. I saw Martindale talking up the, the Fur Park surface in, a, in an interview today. He only mentioned <laughs> it about 30 times in the, <laughs> the short clip that I saw. The, They've maybe got a reputation as been a bit up and at them. I suppose we've got the same sort of reputation. But I still think this could be a, a really interesting game. It's one that as fans will expect to win. But Levy will be coming full of confidence as well. It's a difficult one to call. Absolutely. I've got a couple of I've got a couple of mates who are Levy fans. Um and I was talking to them was talking to them last night and um they, they are they are they are kind of Super confident uh, the way that their season has started as well, um, and they are they're really pleased with with the way that Nubly has started. But um, and sort of saying, can I? Oh, can't wait to see him up against your powder puff defence. And it's like, oh well, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. Can I that because Nubly's goal that he scored at the weekend was incredible, but did he tackles him? There isn't even a. There's no one puts a challenge in on him. It's the kind of there's one Harlan's guy sort of attempt for a tackle is the worst bit about that. He, he kind yeah. of he moves his leg and then just sits in his arms. Aye, I, I mean to be honest, actually, you, you don't see the ball moving. It's not as if kind of 
the kind of nubly is and sort of like moved it from one foot to the other and sort of accelerated away from him. It's just he's kind of dived in at a bad angle and nubly just ran past him. It's uh, I mean, it's a great finish and stuff like that. And it's it's um he does look like a big old unit and kind of I think I think the Motherwell defence will be in for a um will be in for a torrid time with him. But it's like I think all we need to do is challenge him, kind of. Which obviously Hibs didn't do. So, uh, um, aye, it's I'm quite quite excited about it because it's kind of I think from the highlights that I've seen of Livingston this season, they've kind of they've kind of they're not doing the sort of long ball thing kind of this season. And obviously, sort of in the last three games, Stevie Hamill's moved us away from that. So I think it's going to be two teams that are going to go at each other. And obviously, sort of as you say, Martin Dale kind of Martin Dale was really, really excited about playing on our wonderful surface. Um and so I, so I think it I think it could it's got the makings of quite a good game. Um which probably is a kiss of death and kinda will be a boring nil nil game. But it's I think kinda I think kinda as you there's two teams that are going to set up to take each other on, hopefully. And what you mentioned about the kind of surface and the and the makings of a good game there's one wee bit of doom and gloom that just kind of crept into the back of my mind there. The fact that we've lost to Sligo, the fact that we've lost to St Johnston, I'm thinking that puts an extra importance on winning on Saturday just due to the fact that while we've got six points from nine and, and things are looking good, you don't want to have that struggle to pick up points in your own patch. We need to be making for Park a really difficult place to go to it's been said over the last couple of years that we've got this fantastic surface and other teams come and play good football on it and inevitably come away with the three points. It would be good to to get those three points on the board, the first three points of the season at home, and kick on from there and then try and really make Fur Park a wee bit of a fortress. Until you say that, I had you thought about it like that. Uh, it's, <laughs> um, aye, aye, that's... That's something to think about, but I definitely can. I definitely know you say that we we definitely need to take something from the game. Um, obviously a win, a win would be much more preferable. But can I? We certainly can. I, we need to avoid a loss definitely. Um, to pick something up in our home ground. Um, I given the the fact that the two home games have been have been awful. In terms of a team selection, do you think we'll see any changes from from Saturday's win at Petardre? I don't know whether can I. Obviously, I don't know sort of what his what his thoughts are with McKinstry, whether he gets whether he gets thrown straight in there. Um, but can I? I think if ever can I bar in any knocks, there's I don't see any reason for why you would change anything. Um, apart from tactically, as I say, if uh, if McKinstry is is kind of fit, you maybe sort of have him playing out wide. Um, from the start, yeah, it's it's only kind of change I could foresee. I, I would like to think that we'll we'll stick with what we've got, and then maybe introduce the likes of McKinstry, Josh Morris, and, and such if the game isn't going our way. But I, I forgot, I forgot Lamy's back from suspension, isn't he? Yeah, I I, th- I think that in terms of we mentioned Nubly, I I, th- I think that he'll we'll try and match him up. Uh, with Bevis, which will be a, a hell of a battle. That'll be a heavyweight battle, that one. But uh, 
I, I, I think that while Saul made a, a bit of a mistake in the first half, I reckon that he'll, he'll maintain his place. Well, I mean, maybe we'll have to work a wee bit to get back into the team, just on the basis that the situation was that he, he could have cost us a, a win in the opening day and would have denied Stevie Havel a winning start as well. So I think I think he'll have a wee bit of a road to redemption, although I do imagine that when you put all your centre-half options there at the moment, that Lamy would be in the top two in most people's Definitely. lists. But I, I, I still think that Johansson and Mugabe might get the nod there. Uh, but there's no, there's no certainties because it's just... Uh, it's just I can't really remember many Motherwell teams that haven't changed week on week for, for quite some time. Because um, that is the thing. There is, there is this sort of... There is an argument for why would you change a winning team, um, especially a winning team that sort of put in the performance that they did last week. Um, you're only going to you're only going to change it to to improve it, and it's kind of I don't it's it's I think kind of probably Lamy. I think I actually think Lamy's the best centre half that we've got. Um, so that that's why I kind of I sort of when I remembered that he was back for back for suspension, that I thought he would he would be the one absolute definite kind of change but you might be right that they may sort of kind of go well um, kind of uh, Bevis and uh, Bevis and Saul got as the one so um, start with him and kind of bring Lamy back on the bench keep McKinstry on the bench as another option so um, I, I I don't know it's, uh, it's I think hopefully the tumble has been thrown out um, and that sort of any changes will Will just be sort of tactical um, improvements in in Hamill's mind, rather than just completely random changes that, that we used to get. Yeah, and I, th- I think the other thing is that while Bevis and and Saul both play a part in a, a win, we did concede two goals, so that might be in the, the manager's mind as well. So merely playing devil's advocate there, but um, it will be interesting come quarter to two what Stevie Hamill. Has decided upon uh, a few, a few headaches there, but good headaches in the sense that you've got two players that are more than capable of coming in and, and making an impact. You've got them on the sidelines as it stands. Just a final one before we go, mate. Uh, the rumour's been circulating all week. I'll not mention any names as to who it came from, but uh, certainly a better one than the. Mark Warburton one was, it must be said. The, uh, the links to Robert Snodgrass have been picked up by most tabloid outlets over the last 24 hours or so. Seemingly that an offer has been made to the former Scottish international to come to Fur Park and maybe play out the last couple of years of his career. He's certainly been involved in, in plenty of big money moves over the course of that career, like £7 million to West Ham springs to mind instantly. This is again, it's another big name being linked to the club, one that's caused a fair bit of excitement amongst the fans. Whether it happens or not remains to be seen, but it's one that I would be for, certainly. I think that you bring in someone of that sort of experience, it's only going to help the, the younger guys in the dressing room. He's a, he's a big figure, seems to be a kind of a real character around the place as well. So, yeah, it's, it's one that I certainly wouldn't turn my nose up if. Robert Snodgrass was to arrive at Fur Park. 
I didn't know whether oh. the arrival of Stuart McKinstry would maybe override that, but it does seem like the, the interest still is there and we'll just need to see how it plays out over the next 24 hours or so. Uh, it's it's a really exciting, it was a really exciting to hear him linked with us um, because he, he just seems, he just seems to be a guy who loves playing football um, and you think if he was to come to Motherwell, he's not coming to Motherwell for a payday, um, he would be coming basically for a laugh to play football um, kinda, and you think back to sort of guys who have maybe done that in the past and it's like he immediately jumped to Davy Cooper. Um now I'm not for a second saying that saying that Snodgrass uh, would potentially sort of do the do exactly the same as David Cooper did, but it's it's I think you bring in a player of that stature who's had the career that he's had and clearly has the ability that he's got it's going to improve the young players round about him that he's that sort of that he interacts with, and it's I believe that he's he's a he's a well liked guy round about dressing rooms. Um, he's not a kind of he's not a big time Charlie. Um, he's and he's kind of one of the jokers about the the dressing room. So I think that would be that would be a good thing to to have as well. Um, but certainly with the the young sort of the young midfielders who are coming through with us. Um, I think he would be a tremendous asset, and uh, just just for these guys to train with him, um, and then to see him play. It's, as I said, I don't think that he would be a guy who was just up here, kind of just um, pad his pension or anything like that. It's a, I genuinely believe if he chose to came to Motherwell, he'd be coming to do a job. Um, as the week has gone on, I'm not sure that the that the that actually kind of there's going to be anything get sorted that's I really thought there was potential at the beginning of the week that that he was definitely going to sign um but can I, I don't know whether sort of the interest has started to wane or whether kind of other people have got have kind of caught wind of the fact that he was actually sort of thinking about coming to Motherwell and it meant that other people other teams in Scotland were like we could probably offer him a bit more money than Motherwell can, and I don't know whether that's we're going to get gazumped on him. Um, but it would be a tremendous signing, I think. Um, I I don't know whether he's got a relationship with Stevie Hamill or not. Um, again, that would be if he did, and then kind of that would that would sort of suggest that he would be coming because of him. Um, and again, would be another reason why he would want to do well. Uh, but I, I, I'd be an exciting signing. Not sure it's going to happen though. Yeah, that's it. It seems like there's a a situation in place where we're hoping to, well, Robert Snodgrass is hoping to have a, a conclusion to this whole scenario by the end of the week. So, I guess we've just got to wait and see. Uh, Musk and Matt when I did a wee bit of digging and asked a few questions over the course of the last couple of days. A few people have downplayed it and said that. It does look slightly unlikely at this moment in time, but I, I think that the addition would be huge for Stevie Hamill as well, just having a dressing room leader that really could command respect and just almost help the the manager out to a certain degree where there'll be a lot of things that Stevie's learning on his feet just now and just having that experience around the place and people to kind of report back to, I suppose, will... Uh, 
we'll certainly aid him. So it would be, it certainly makes sense the signing, but uh, whether it happens, as you say, we don't know. So we'll uh, we'll leave that one at the door just now. Uh, hopefully, by the time the podcast comes out, there hasn't been a conclusion, or you'll have just wasted your time listening to this. But anyway, mate. Thank you very much for joining me tonight. It's been a pleasure. Um, we're obviously missing Pepe's wisdom tonight, but I'm sure he'll be back next week. Brilliant. Excellent, Andy. Cheers, mate. You've been listening to the MFC podcast. As I say, we'll be back next week after the Livingston game. Until then, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>